Today's episode of the Thousand Movie Project podcast is sponsored by Medium Emery. Emery is a psychic living and working in Miami, though she does work through video chat too, so her clientele is in no way exclusive to our city. Emery is what's called an intuitive psychic medium, a channeler, she reads tarot and tea leaves, and she's the founder of Lady Earth Shop, all one word, which you can find on Etsy. Emery's been doing readings for a long time, and I'm happy to advertise her services on the show. And if all goes well and our schedules can sort of coalesce, I look forward to having a reading with her that I will record and feature on the podcast. If you'd like to chat with Emery and maybe consider booking an appointment, you can find her at mediumemery.com. That's medium, E-M-A-R-Y.com. Another sponsor for today's show is Laura, who made a donation earlier in December when she didn't happen to know that I was needing it. She just decided, along with some friends, to consider Thousand Movie Project podcast for their regular kind of spotlight of charity that they train on a particular creator who's doing their thing on a shoestring budget. Many thanks to Laura, as well as to Emery. This episode probably would not have taken shape before the end of the year were it not for your encouragement, so here's to you. Cheers! And now, on to the show. Hey guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to the Thousand Movie Project Podcast. There's a, a condiment I've never had, and um, it's it's you have, have probably heard of this condiment. It's spelled like this: W O R C E S T E R S H I R E, and then the word sauce. Worcestershire, Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce. It's the most fucking ridiculous name. There's no way I'm pronouncing it right. I probably, if you explained it to me all day, I probably would not be able to pronounce it right. And that's why I would never eat that shit. Because God forbid I eat some Worcestershire sauce and I fall in love with it. And I'm like, oh man, this shit is great. I'm going to get this on everything. And then everywhere I went, I would have to say it to waiters and they would make fun of me. But I was thinking like, if I really liked Worcestershire, Westmoreland sauce, I, I would get business cards with the word printed on it. And then every time I was at a deli and I wanted them to put it on my sandwich, I would be like, I'll have some ketchup and some mustard and this. And then I would pull out the card and I would show it to them and I'd say, this word. I want this word on my sandwich. But I was imagining, like, because I get an obsessive about new foods that I like. My like my palate does not get exhausted. Like there's a Mexican place right near my apartment that makes a mean veggie burrito. And if it weren't $9, I would literally eat it every single day and never I would just I would continuously rhapsodize about this burrito every day to you over the phone as though I'd never had it before. So I'm afraid that like if someone slipped me some Worcestershire sauce, if they put in my drink when I went to the bathroom, I know how I am with that shit. I would, I would develop like this vampiric unquenchable thirst for Worcestershire sauce. And like, you can put all these systems in play, like you can get your fucking Worcestershire sauce cards and you can do whatever. But you know, someday your plans aren't gonna work out. And I know that like the day would come where I'd like, I'd leave my sauce cards at home and then I would go out to the ballet or something. And then like the ballet's about to start, I'm sitting there in my tuxedo and I go, oh man. And stretch your imagination to imagine I'm here at the ballet with like a spouse. And as I turn my spouse, I sit there like, oh man, I'm so hungry. I'll, I'll be right back. I'm gonna go get a hot dog. 
So I get up and I'm like, I'm running against the clock because the ballet is about to start. So I run out to the hot dog vendor in the lobby and I'm like, hey, let me get a hot dog and um, put some of that Worcestershire sauce on it. <laughs> and then the hot dog, you know, hot dog vendors at the ballet are all like pinkies up, bougie, Jeeves type fucking guys. So the hot dog vendor, he'd be like, you are mispronouncing the sauce and thus you cannot have any. I'd be so mad. I would, I'd go back to my seat and I'd be sitting through that fucking ballet like, goddamn fucking hot dog vending snob. <laughs> well, let me get my Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> Just because I'm not educated. I really do get obsessive about, about shit. It's happening right now. I'm being super obsessive with this fucking Philip Roth biography. Not kidding, guys. I'm, I'm kind of, lo I'm losing my fucking mind about it. Every day I go on Twitter and it looks like it's like some new book critic is posting a picture of this big ass biography on their kitchen table. It hasn't come out yet and I'm like I need this <laughs> I need this fucking book immediately. So now what I'm doing is I'm reading all of the biographer's books in order. His name is Blake Bailey. He's a really good biographer and he's he's only written four books so, so it's like a manageable task. But the books get pretty chunky. Like right now I'm nearing the end of the second one. It's a biography of the novelist John Cheever. And that one's almost 700 pages, so I'm hoping that this, this Bailey binge, as I'm calling it, tides me over until Bailey's biography of Philip Roth shows up here. Although, to be honest, it's probably not going to get here for, like, another couple months. If I even get an advanced copy. I know I'm on the list, but, like, doesn't doesn't guarantee anything. I'm writing a personal essay in response to all four of these Bailey books, and I'm posting those essays on... Um, thousandmovieproject.com and after I posted the first one which, which is kind of a personal essay slash rave about uh, Bailey's first book which is a biography of the novelist Richard Yates fucking Blake Bailey the biographer he tweeted at me within an hour and we had like a nice chat on Twitter he's a cool dude he's like answered a bunch of my questions over the past decade that he's been working on this Roth biography but there's there's something of a plan here because like with each successive book of his that I write up on the blog I'm gonna like I'm like leaning a little harder on the topic of that Roth biography like a little bit harder every time like the first essay mentioned at the end that like oh and by the way <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that book like nudge nudge let me get this book <laughs> the next one about Cheever is gonna progress from like nudge nudge to cough cough after cough cough if I still don't have the galley it's gonna go to like wink wink nudge nudge to cough cough to wink wink by the time I get to the fourth and final book by this guy, I'm just gonna write a formal letter at the bottom of the blog post like, Dude, <laughs> can you make a call or something? Because <laughs> I really want to read your fucking book. So, as you've probably noticed, um, I haven't done an episode of the podcast in like a little over a month. And part of the reason for that, well, I guess pretty much the whole reason for that, is because, uh, you know, I work at a college, and prior to, I mean, not prior to, in conjunction with working at the college, I recently had also been working as a busser at a restaurant in Coral Gables, which I don't think, like, I don't think it would hurt their reputation in any way, <laughs> like, if I said the name. I feel like I shouldn't, just as a precaution, because you never know. <laughs> but, like, I don't, I don't think they'd be like, oh, man, I'm fucking... We're associated with that kid's podcast, man. We're fucking doomed. Oh, man. You know, I still sometimes reflexively call myself kid because I think I'm young, but I'm not. I'm 29. I mean, that's young in the 
grand scheme of things. I used to feel cool and I, I was like, oh man, I've still preserved my boyish looks. Because whenever I would go to one of these Cuban diners on 8th Street near my apartment, um, the ladies who worked there always called me muchacho. But then I realized, like, <laughs> they call everyone under 65 muchacho. <laughs> but yeah, as I was saying, I'd been working at this restaurant, but it just became too expensive to work there. Because it's in Coconut Grove, and parking in the Grove is like 4 bucks an hour, and if I was there for like 13 hours, and I'm earning the equivalent of like $11 an hour, or $23, $24 for a round-trip Uber. So I quit that job, and incidentally, when I quit the job, <laughs> my boss was like, well, one of my three bosses, she was like, hey man, come on in tonight, I know you're just on call, but we're gonna need you tonight. And I was like, actually, Gina, <laughs> the reason I'm calling is because uh, I'm not going in. <laughs> I'm not coming in ever again. And she was like, oh, you're joking, right? And I was like, no, man, it's just too much money. It's too, it's it's not worth it. And she goes, well, are you giving two weeks notice? And I said, no, nah. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm just never coming back. And she was like, Alex, you know, people generally give two weeks notice when they're quitting a job. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not doing that, though. And like, I would feel bad if this was like a teaching position or something, but it's like, it's fucking manual labor. I was just wiping tables. Like, you can find somebody to do that. You can just have the servers do it. The servers would do it all the time. I mean, when they had to. So anyway, I quit that job, and um, then I was just working at the college, and the college was coming to a close uh, for the semester, and I was in kind of a tight financial situation, so I had to pick up, like, odd jobs and shit. And one of the odd jobs I picked up was driving for Postmates. Which is, which technically I was very lucky to be able to do because like fucking DoorDash put me on a waiting list, um, Instacart put me on a waiting list because I guess they just got so many people who are trying to get those gigs, which is kind of sad for reasons I will explore in another episode. But here's the thing, like I haven't really driven anywhere during the pandemic except like I would drive to and from my job at the restaurant. I held that re that job for like two months. And even that was only for like the first week or so, and then it was just cheaper to Uber, so I started Ubering. So in the past nine months, I've done virtually no driving at all. And so suddenly, like, <laughs> starting three weeks ago or so, I was in my car all the fucking time. And one of the things I kind of rediscovered is the radio. Like, I have not listened to the radio in like nine months. And what I've realized over the past three weeks is like, radio is really weird, man. And I think I like it. I think I like the form. There's something companionable about hearing a song on the radio. I guess knowing that some someone else is, like you're listening to that song with people around the city at the same time. Like, it just feels like the sound quality is worse than what you get on Spotify, but it, I don't know. There's something vaguely communal about it. But another thing I was musing on is like, those DJs are so fucking happy. <laughs> like, it's a performance, obviously, but they're just so fucking bubbly about everything. And it would get me frustrated because, like, when you're when you're doing Postmates, I was under the impression that Postmates, like, you get in your car, you deliver some food, and then it's like, bing, here's another one, bing, here's another one. It's not like that at all. At best, you'll get, like, three pings in an hour. And I think the reason that they want to not make... I think the reason they want to sort of trickle the opportunities out to you is because I think, like, if you had your pick of the litter, if there were a million dishes that needed to be delivered, then you, then nobody would take the option at the place with bad parking. No one would take the option at the restaurant where, like, you know you're going to be waiting in a long line. So they keep, I think there's a deliberate effort to keep you kind of desperate and willing to take whatever offer comes your way. So I'd be sitting in my car. It's like my fifth consecutive hour of this shit. I'm not getting any, like, offers. 
Um, I got nothing to do. I'm just driving in circles or I'm parked on a curb somewhere, <laughs> listening to the fucking radio, waiting for an opportunity, and then all I hear is these fucking radio DJs like, Uh-huh, looks like it's gonna rain today. Uh-oh, better get inside. Just like this unconscionable pep. Another weird thing about the radio, and I gotta like this part. Like, it's, it's so fucking stupid. But, you know, it's a radio station, so they constantly have these giveaways. And in the past, obviously, like... It's a music station, so they give out concert tickets or tickets to live shows and shit like that. But there are no concerts right now. There are no live shows. So the, so they're still doing their giveaways, but they're giving out the weirdest fucking things. And when people call into the radio station, I think they know like they are more likely to get on the air if they can si- if they can kind of parrot the DJ's peppiness. And so like I was listening the other day. And um, they were, they, you know, I think it's Power 96 in, here in Miami where they take caller number nine. And uh, if you're caller number nine, you get the tickets or whatever the fuck the prize is. And so I'm sitting at a red light and I'm listening to the radio and this person calls in. And they're like, am I caller number nine? And the DJ's like, you are caller number nine. He gets super fucking jazzed about it. And then the caller gets really jazzed. He's like, oh my God, number nine, I'm number nine. I've always wanted to be number nine. And then the DJ's like, well, today's your lucky day. You just won a fucking numerical access code so that you can watch the debut of the fucking Miami Ballet doing the Nutcracker virtually <laughs> so they were basically saying like congratulations you get to sit in your fucking chair in your fucking bedroom in front of your fucking laptop a little bit longer and watch a show you would never in a million years ago to watch but the fucking person who caller number nine they hear that they won this thing and they're like all right cool <laughs> like you could hear in the caller's voice that he was trying real hard to be enthused and then there's other weird shit like i was like and th- this happened to this happened several times. I don't know. I, I guess because I've just been listening to Spotify, like my old shit, and then the 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 different old shit that Spotify recommends to me on the basis of the old shit that I listen to. Because of that, I don't really know. I'm not really familiar with like the top 40. So I'm cycling through the same five or six stations, and I'm listening to the top 40, and all these songs are kind of new to me. And then it happened several times where like I would hear a song and. <laughs> They'd have weird lyrics that I kind of related to. Like, there'd be auto-tune and, like, a beat, and then someone would be like, Wake up in the morning and you're thirsty, so you get a drink of water. And I'm listening to it, and I'm like, I have had that experience, man. That's me. This is is music for the people. And then the song goes on, and I realize it's not a song. It's a commercial. I really don't like when radio commercials play, like, their actual real songs, because then I'm like, okay... You're, you are deliberately lulling me into a false sense of disco. And then when I get into my sense of disco, which is just kind of a safe space for me, you then take advantage of my vulnerability and you try to sell me something. And I think it's making me jaded now. Like, I don't trust music. Like, I hear music now. I hear, like, the first few bars of a new song and I'm like, is this going to sell me Pepsi? <laughs> I don't know what's going on in this. I don't know if this... I don't like this. It's gotten to the point now, like, there's mariachis on 8th Street. And they'll come up to me and they'll be like, Hola, ¿quieres hacer música conmigo? And I used to be all about it. I used to be like, ah, si, vamos a la música. But now I'm like, nah, I don't trust you. You've been listening to the Thousand Movie Project Podcast. 
If you like what you heard, you can buy my new ebook, a collection of three personal essays and three short stories called My Three Repugnant Children, which is currently available on Amazon for just $1. You can also check out the blog posts that in- invariably work their way into this podcast script at www.thousandmovieproject.com.